Welcome to Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. Sean Kane will be joining momentarily. Fantastic show for you today. Penn State really hitting it off on the recruiting trail. We'll also be previewing the Central Michigan Chippewas. Chippewas had a pretty good season last year. Penn State plays them week four right after their trip to Auburn. So that should be a fun one as well. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast. And make sure to tell a friend about us. Appreciate you guys. Let's get right into the show, everybody. Thank you so much. Welcome in to Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Hey, Corey. Doing great. Easy like Sunday morning. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit tougher for me this morning. Um, a little, little hungover, but we're going to uh, <laughs> hang in there a little bit, and we're going to get the show done because we are professionals, damn it. That's right. Um, I had the chance, Sean, to go to state college last week. I was up there all week. That's kind of why we put that podcast out. And it would have been nice if we were able to record on Sunday, but that's just not how, you know, the previous Sunday, that's just not how the uh, cookie crumbled. Sean, big, big, big time uh, recruiting weekend. Um, the past two weekends, really. And the Nittany Lions are on fire right now. And it's, I, I don't know exactly what your your thoughts are, but. I'm a little surprised about how good they're doing right now. Yeah, I feel a lot better now than I did two weeks ago. Um, because there's just there seems to be a lot of momentum going Penn State's way. Um, we've had a couple big commitments. More crystal balls. The official visits seem to be doing, uh, seem to be, um, seem to be killing it on official visits. So there seems to be a lot of good mojo right now for the Nittany Lions on the recruiting trail. Yeah, but does, to you, does this seem like maybe they are finally, maybe the name, image, and likeness deals are starting to be squared away? Maybe the the athletic department's behind them a little bit more? Because I just feel like, and I'll, we're going to talk obviously about the two commitments and obviously some of the crystal balls in a second, but it just seems like right now, Things are like the guys they're getting are guys that we didn't necessarily think they were going to get, especially mm-hmm. since they weren't really doing very much the name, image, and likeness, at least from what we could see. Do you think that maybe that's turned a little bit? Maybe they're finally, you know, they're not going to probably be Tennessee or Notre Dame, but maybe they're maybe they're going down the right stretch here. I think so. Uh, there was talk about a big party last week or two weeks ago. I think it was last week at a Millionaire's Mansion. Uh, don't know who the millionaire is, 
don't know anything really about that. But supposedly there is a big get together there and there's been a lot of talk about that um, and just a lot of NIL. Yeah, I think there is uh, quite a bit of momentum now on the NIL front. And I think, again, it was it's been a learning experience for every coaching staff in the country and some coaching staffs are doing better with it than others and some universities are doing better with it than others because they're still trying to figure it all out and i think that probably does play a role in it uh, also uh to i know we're going to get into the commitments in, in a second uh, the last two commitments came from the state of alabama and i gotta imagine that maybe playing auburn probably gave us some good exposure down south well, there's going to be a little bit more of exposure on that, obviously, on September 17th. So maybe another opportunity to to at least maybe solidify those two guys. Uh, Selma's not too far away. It's only about two hours from Auburn. And Phoenix City is just about 45 minutes. So you would think maybe, maybe those guys will be in attendance. Um, let's talk about the commitments first, Sean, because commitments are always fun. Penn State's up to 15 now in the 2023 class. Uh 15 commits, I should say. They're number three ranked uh, right now, just behind Notre Dame and Ohio State. Obviously, that's probably not going to last. Um, but we were talking, what, two weeks ago, I think, about how this class probably is going to be a top 15 team or, you know, class probably not top 10. Now it's looking like maybe top 10 is actually possible, which back to back top 10 classes for James Franklin, even though he's gone 11 and 11 the past. Uh, two seasons would would almost be phenomenal oh it certainly would be and i think there's a real chance they could sneak into the top 10 because they're getting guys that we really didn't expect and they're in it for guys we didn't really expect um i think they're in a good place with guys like jason moore uh guys like Trayon webb who we're going to talk who we're going to get into a little bit more and those are both guys that we touched on a couple times but we really didn't think Penn State had that great of a shot at either one. Where now it looks like that there's at least some good momentum on Penn State's front. And then getting two guys that is that aren't normally in Penn State's footprint. Yeah, all of a sudden, there's a real chance they could sneak into the top 10 if they keep it up and um, if they could perform well in the fall. Yeah, and I think... It almost it lines up in a way almost like Penn State has to obviously have a good season next year because I mean how many times can you keep bringing in the they can always promise or or, or tell these guys they have a chance to go to the NFL regardless but how many times can you go onto the field and and only you know put up seven wins put up you know five wins et cetera before eventually they stop coming so. I think it's a pretty big one. I, I think the NFL prospect of things is, is is really helping Penn State right now. I mean, they used to not even be able to say, you know, defensive back-wise, anything about uh, getting the NFL. And now, now that's not the case. I mean, we're already seeing some really good things. We're already hearing a lot of good things um, about Jaquan Brisker at, at the at the Bears and, and what he's uh, been able to do. Some already say he's the best safety on the depth chart there. So that's nice to see, but that's also big for Penn state. I saw Micah Parsons did a little video piece again saying, Hey, if you're from Pennsylvania, there's no reason not to. So they have 
and, and it doesn't also hurt that you have two NFL Rookie of the Years in the past couple of years. It doesn't hurt that uh, Odafe Owe did really well. It doesn't hurt that Pat Fryermuth did really well. We've heard so many great things about what Jahan Dotson's already done, too. So it's a wide range. It's not just the typical, like, I feel like 10 years ago it was, yeah, there's some good linebackers and there's some good defensive ends from Penn State. But that was really about it. I mean, every once in a while there was a decent receiver like Allen Robinson. But otherwise, Penn State didn't have that much to gloat. Now they can pretty much gloat about every single position but maybe quarterback. Um, and, and obviously Trace McSorley still with the Cardinals. But but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and James Franklin uh, typically, at least he used to, uh, but he might talk about the NFL more now. Uh, he used to say it's more – he preaches more about the college experience and, you know, developing you as a player and as a person and then maybe get the NFL down the line. But I think when you have, when you have had guys not only get drafted, but have success on the NFL level, you'd be crazy not to talk about the NFL and Penn state's track record under James Franklin has been putting guys in the NFL and, Typically, they're playing really well. Like, do you remember uh, a lot of times after games, the Penn State guys would get pictures after games with the team, with the with the other Penn State alums, um, alumni that they just played against. And if you notice those pictures, there are more and more guys in them, it seems like every single year. And I think that just things like that just bode well for them. Uh, because they have so many guys on each NFL, on each NFL team at the, uh, on almost every NFL team at this point. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's going to be a big selling point to recruits down the line. Right, and I think there's one other thing before we really dive um, into into the commits and, and the crystal balls and all that stuff. I, I think I think Alan Zamitis and what he's been able to do recruiting wise has been huge. Um, like you said, I think a lot of it, it did help playing Auburn, but, but Zemitis has done a fantastic job. Poindexter's done a fantastic job. Those two guys, as far as improving the defensive back room, it, it's unreal what they've been able to do. And, and really in a short time, I mean, we talked a, a decent amount about this, I, I believe last episode, but I just want to point out how we're, we're finally getting guys that provide that sort of hybrid athletic you can do whatever you want with those safeties you can do whatever you want with those corners when you have guys like that they can come into the box they can do those kind of things and for Manny Diaz I mean he's got to just be salivating at the opportunity so um the Midas and what he's been able to do uh recruiting is, has been phenomenal um we talked a lot about James Franklin and how he's lost a lot of his people since even 2016 Andy Frank, one of those guys that hasn't gone anywhere. And I just think what he's been able to to, to keep Andy Frank as well has, has really kept kind of all of this going in, in the right direction. I, I think a lot of credit has to go to Andy Frank as well. So I wanted to give those guys some love because I think, I mean, it's just unreal how much how much better they've been um, at the safety position specifically in, in the recruiting realm. Yeah, I agree. And we got Kenny Saunders back. I think he spent a couple years. I want I want to be correct here. I think he spent a couple, Oregon. Years, a couple years at Oregon. Yes. Um, and having him back in the fold. He was big in those first few years under Franklin. Getting him back has been has been pretty big as well. 
And also, John Scott Jr. has proven he could really recruit and coach. I was really impressed by the job he did last year with the defensive line, and he's getting it done on the recruiting trail, uh, being able to beat out Georgia and Alabama for Denai Dennis Sutton, which was not easy. Uh, though they really, really wanted him, and getting that win was was gigantic, and he's still getting it done this year on the recruiting trail. So, I mean, he has proven that he is a Jedi, like Sean Spencer and Larry Johnson before him. Well, since since we're talking about that and, and what JSJ has been able to do, I think it's probably only right we start with the first commit that happened, I guess, technically last weekend now. Um, TJ Parker to Marion Parker, wherever you want to go by, uh, from Phoenix city, went to central high school there, four star composite, four star by 24, seven sports, six best defensive linemen, um, according to 24, seven sports in the country, 24, seven sports has him a 48th overall player. And maybe, maybe still a chance that Georgia, you know, falls into, in to maybe get him last second. Uh, maybe Alabama, if they don't hit on all their edge players, tries to get him last second. But John Scott Jr. goes down into Alabama, literally in the backyard of Auburn, in the backyard of Florida, who, by the way, Coach Spencer's at Florida now, if you didn't know, recruited against against John Spencer and was able to get this guy. Um, when we're, you're just talking about Denai Dennis Sutton, uh, we're, we're talking about how deep this defensive uh, defensive end is starting to look and how, how, how much talent they're starting to accumulate there. Um, Parker fits right into that. I mean, he's, he's probably as far as like upside for, for potential to, to, to be a star. I think he's probably one of the best that Penn State has in his 2023 class. Absolutely. And this was a guy I did not really expect to get, especially looking at his offer list and the teams interested in him from the South. And him being, um, seems to be a consensus top 100 player in the country. Um, He's going to be able to provide uh, a lot on the edge. I think that's where Penn State's going to end up playing him. And he's an excellent pass rusher. And it says a lot about uh, James Franklin, John Scott Jr.'s recruiting ability to be able to, like you said, go into a place like Phoenix City and pull him right out of Auburn and Georgia's backyard. And, yeah, uh, you have to wonder, even though he did have Georgia and Alabama offers, how committable were they? I I really don't know. Is there a chance they could come back in later? Sure. Uh, But right now, he said he's canceled all his official visits down uh, that were scheduled down the line at Florida and Tennessee. So he looks like, for the time being, he's 100% in. Yeah, and I was uh, just looking at his his team's high school schedule for this fall. Um, they play IMG Academy uh, in on September 23rd, just so everyone was kind of curious about that one. Obviously, a ton of talent there at, at IMG. But they also play um, Auburn uh, in October, and they play uh, Opelika, which people aren't familiar with the Alabama geography. I don't blame it. Opelika is just right next to Auburn, like pretty much inseparable. You can't even indistinguishable, I should say. Um, and he, he plays there the week before um, the week before Penn State comes down 
So so he'll be there the week before. I'll probably maybe go to that game. Uh, Opelika is just a jump away. So um, I could be there in like 20 minutes. And then I should say the game, unfortunately, he as far as going to the Auburn game, he plays in Montgomery um, Saturday at the 17th at 11 a.m. So maybe the game gets over and he runs over, but most likely he he might not be able to be in attendance for that game if you were – we're curious about that, but no, this Parker guy, uh, TJ Parker, I'm with you. Uh, I don't know if Alabama jumps in last minute, if Alabama misses out on some five-star edge that they wanted and they look at him next. I think there's interest there, but, but Sean right now, I, I really feel like this class is pretty there. There's one guy and, um, you might agree with me on that, but otherwise I think everybody is pretty committable at this point, um, the only guy would probably be Conrad Hussey, who I think might have a little bit of flight risk. But even then, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. But but otherwise, I, this class seems like they're going to stay stay together. Yeah, they seem to be a pretty tight knit group. Um, yeah, and Conrad Hussey uh, camps this weekend at Miami. What does it mean? I I really don't know. <laughs> um, but they seem pretty, pretty much all in, but you never know. Like circumstances change. Uh, if it's a long time between now and December and a lot of things could happen. Uh, but right now I really, really like where we are with all of these guys. Um, even the guys from the South, uh, Marcus Stokes seems to be very, very involved on the recruiting trail as well. Uh, just by looking at his Twitter and, uh, you know, reading some of the things that's that the guys have said. So that's encouraging because he was somebody I was worried about coming coming up from Florida. Yeah, Marcus Stokes, I think, is 100 percent all in just I mean, the way let's get to the second commit now, because Marcus Stokes had a pretty large role in getting uh, this next commit uh Dakari Nelson, who is a safety from Selma, another four star guy, another guy from Alabama. 24-7 sports, not as high on him as Rivals is. Uh, on three and 24-7 sports, both have him around the 20th range for overall safeties in the country. Uh, Rivals, I think, has him at uh, the second best safety. So a little bit of, I think, if anything, I think 24-7 sports and, and on three actually come up with their rankings as, as the year goes on after his senior film, perhaps. Um, but... I, I like I think Nelson had an interview. I couldn't tell you where exactly the interview was, but somebody said that that Stokes played a, a large role in that. Um, so yeah, I think Stokes is definitely in locked in. And Dakari Nelson, another guy, Sean. Both of us were like, I mean, great, but I don't think either of us saw this happening this fast, if at all. Yeah, I really didn't. Uh, this was a guy that I thought was kind of a reach, but. It's always good, as we've said before, to have a guy come and visit, especially a guy that's not from the area. Because when you get on Penn State's campus, you really, really understand that it's a special place to be. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an alum. I'm saying it because recruits have said this over and over all their, all over the years, that there's something about going there and you have to be there to really appreciate it. So we were able to get him up. And he seemed to really fall in love with the place. Um, and this was the guy that we beat out Clemson and Auburn for. 
Um, and he's a guy that's good that I wouldn't be surprised if he played linebacker. He reminds me a little bit of Curtis Jacobs and that Curtis Jacobs was also a very highly touted high school safety. Um, and I think if Nelson could put on a little bit of weight, I could definitely see him playing in that Sam role. Um, and I'm really excited. And like you, and like we touched on before, position versatility and being a quote-unquote uh, positionless player is getting more and more important in really every sport. Um, I think especially on the defensive side of the ball in football. You want that position versatility, and I think Takari Nelson's going to be able to bring that to Penn State. Yeah, this is the one where Manny Diaz was, had to be ecstatic, right? I mean, Nelson has the frame. He hits really hard um, in the film that I've been able to watch. I would be surprised, especially with the way things are trending at the safety position, quote-unquote. Um, I would be surprised if Nelson stays at safety just because when you think about linebacker depth versus defensive back depth, with the way this class is starting to trend, they might want more kind of, like you said, Curtis Jacob-like guys. And Nelson does fit that role perfectly. Um, I just looked at his high school schedule. He doesn't really have anything. Selma, like I said, only two hours away. But I was hoping something might have been a little bit closer. But um, it doesn't look like that's the case. But regardless, it, it's pretty phenomenal they're able to get a guy. Um, I mean, Selma's not too far away from Tuscaloosa either. So... Again, going in and getting a guy like him is is incredible. Um, and I think it fits the Manny Diaz mold extremely well. And it's starting to become infectious now. The, the recruits are starting to come off the board. I did want to also add that it was Dakari Nelson who said, and this was spoken to Blue White Illustrated, uh, quote, it's going to be one of the top five classes, if not number one class, by the time it's all said and done. We're going to be at the top of the charts. End quote. And so... I don't think you can, you know, read into that too much, right? Obviously, kids are excited. Kids are going to say those kind of things. Um, but they also know more. They have all these group texts that they're in, all the, you know, the various camps that they go to. They talk to people. If anybody knows what's going on as far as recruiting goes, the recruits know. And I don't think it's going to end up being the number one class. But I do think... There is a lot of positivity right now, and I would not be surprised, Sean. I, I would have been surprised two weeks ago, but now I would not be surprised, especially since we're about to talk about all the crystal balls, um, so it's not really a prediction. But I will not be surprised if we go on a similar run in July like we did last year because there are a lot of dominoes that could potentially fall now that you know there's not that many spots left. We're at 15 commits. There's potentially 10 guys, maybe 12, maybe eight spots left, depending on how they want to do the numbers. And only a couple people have reserved spots that they're going to find room for. Um, I don't know, Sean. I think it's going to start getting getting full fast, especially for the guys that want to get it done before the season starts. And so, um, yeah, I'm just I, I think the the optimism and the outlook for this class has completely turned. And I think that's a huge credit to James Franklin. I think it all starts with him and always for, for better or for worse, but the guys he continues to get in the program as far as recruiting, it's unreal. I mean, is there anyone else that is recruiting at the same level as Penn state 
um, that is not winning many games. Like, I, mean, I don't know if anyone's even close. So, look, he might just be uh, the worst X's and O's coach of all time. You might feel that way, but he is continuing to give himself a chance to win Big Ten championships. And I think these two guys, TJ Parker, uh, Zachary Nelson, both of these guys were two guys that if you're trying to beat Ohio State consistently, if you're trying to beat, well, if you're trying to beat anyone in the Big Ten consistently and beat Ohio State more often, these two guys definitely helped you. For sure. And we've been recruiting well for a long time. And I think fans now are kind of like, all right, well, we got to start winning and we can't go 11 and 11 in two years. Um, but I, I really like what you said about um, how he'll, how Nelson will fit into Manny Diaz's defense. This guy, he had eight interceptions last year and two of them were returned for pick sixes. So we might be able to have a guy with ball hawking safety skills playing linebacker who also loves to hit. Um, you kind of almost feel sort of like a Zaki Wheatley type player, maybe a uh, big dude who loves to go after the football. Um, and, you know, you have to, you have to feel really, really good about that. And, Manny Diaz's defense is based on turnovers and tackles for loss. So I think this guy fits in perfectly with what we're going to be uh, trying to do here at here at Penn State. Um, and you do want, but at the same time, all these recruits, all this stuff is great in June and July. We had a great July last year, and I think we're going to have another one this year. I think we're going to, I think we have commits on the horizon in, in the not so distant future. Uh, but you got to, we got to start winning games, and I know everybody out there knows that. Right. Yep. If you're listening to this podcast in June, you definitely know you care about recruiting. Obviously, that's why we talk about it. Um, you also want to see the recruiting results lead to on-field success. Um, so that's obvious. Uh, let's get into the crystal balls that we need to talk about, Sean. Um, let's keep at the safety spot. Because I think that's that's a good place to start. Um, let's talk about King Mac from St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, teammates with Conrad Hussey, who we mentioned ago. So maybe if you get King Mac, maybe that you know is just another reason for Hussey to stay on. Uh, from what I've heard, King Mac could also play corner. So again, another guy that's labeled as a safety, but could end up being a cornerback. Um, there was some crystal balls put in for him on 24/7 Sports Public Knowledge. So it looks like he's going to come. I don't do. Is there a timetable for his commitment, Sean? I, I may have missed that. Is there? Did he put out a date for his commitment? I don't believe he did. Okay. I don't believe he did. I didn't think so either. But it's looking good. Um, I think it's pretty much down to Michigan State and Penn State. Um, so we'll kind of see there. Michigan State's done a pretty good job in the recruiting realm. Uh, respect to them. Penn State visited, or he visited Penn State on June 17th, which was two weeks ago, and that's kind of where the, all the hype went. He already visited Michigan State on June 10th. So Penn State kind of got the last say there. So it, it seems like he would, you know, 
potentially be leaning towards Penn State as well as Crystal Balls? You, you feel pretty good about King Mac. What, what are your thoughts, Sean? I do. I think King Mac ends up at Penn State. Um, I think it would, I think it helps if Conrad Hussey's there, and I think it also helps with keeping Conrad Hussey if King Mac is there. But I don't think it's a make-or-break thing uh, because King Mac's other finals is Michigan State. I don't know if – I don't think Michigan State is too hot on the Conrad Hussey trail. So I don't think they're a package deal, but I think it would help. Uh, he's a really, really good player. Uh, number seven safety in the country, as you said, got, has a lot of ball skills, could play corner. Um, and yeah, I think you have to really like where Penn State's at at this point. Um, and I would prefer he commit sooner rather than later, because if he were to commit soon, I think it would, I don't want to say certainly be Penn State, but I, I, I think it's a pretty good bet that Penn State would be the place for him to end up. Yeah, I, I'm feeling really good there. Um, let's go to two other defenders before we kind of switch things up. Tamir Robinson. Uh, this was a guy who I think we talked two weeks ago about what is going on with Tamir Robinson. Is he is he deadlocked? Is he is he going to be a Penn State commit soon or later? We knew he wanted to wrap up his commitment before uh, his final season. Penn State's always been the team. Then Miami kind of snuck in there a little bit. And and from this is a guy, Sean, who I feel like Penn State, again, there's crystal ball public knowledge in for him. Um, I don't know if Penn State wraps up this commitment this fast if they don't have some sort of NIL deal going on. So th- that's my thought. What, what are you thinking? Yeah, it could be that. Um, and I think he's always been a Penn State lean. Uh, like you said, Miami was involved, Virginia Tech, uh, having a prior relationship with the guy with uh, Brent Pry. Um, I'm expecting him to end up at Penn State. Uh, again, not sure about when exactly that will happen, when exactly he'll be announcing. I, I want to say I read somewhere about July, but I'm not positive. Um, but he's a guy that I that we've said for a while Penn State needs to keep. You don't want to let a guy like like that from Pittsburgh, go down to Miami. Um, you know, that's just a terrible look. But I'm expecting him to end up at Penn State. And so do the experts on 24-7 sports. Right, right. Yep, and, and yeah, it is definitely Virginia Tech and Miami are his final three. Uh, he posted that five days ago. But I don't think he has posted um, – in, in official commitment date, but I think, didn't he always say, I feel like he always said he wanted to get it done in July. I, that, I feel like that's something I have read at some point where that, that was rel- before the end of the July, I feel like he wanted to be committed. So I think that's going to happen in the next month or so. You know, I could be wrong. Don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I feel like he definitely wanted it done before the season started for him. Um, it just seems like it will probably happen before the end of July. So, um, Oh, July 15th. July 15th. Okay. You found it. Okay. Yep. Sweet. Yep. I knew there was a July 15th, but I wasn't sure if that was him or, or a couple other guys. Um, yeah, I think that's gotta be a Penn state at this point. I mean, he, he last visited Penn state again. We talked, how many times we talk about how being that June 17th week and credit the staff again, a lot of people visited before the June 17th. Not a lot of guys have visited other places after June 17th. So I guess they chose the right date. I don't know what 
the case was, but it, it seemed well. Maybe also, and keep this in mind, I wonder if they chose that date for Father's Day, but also with Juneteenth having a, a federal holiday. I wonder if they chose that more parents could go. And you know how James Franklin is. He's he's a killer when he gets a chance to, to talk to the parents and, and sell the parents. I just wonder if they did that thinking they could get more parents to go because they wouldn't have to necessarily work on Monday. If they not, I know not all businesses gave that off, but – um, regardless, I wonder if that just made a couple more parents go. Parker talked a lot about, and I think Nelson did too, about how much James Franklin cares about them academically. And, and it just sounded like that's the parents talking a little bit there. So I'm curious if that played into it. But regardless, not a lot of visits for other schools um, for some of these guys since then. So that's that's huge for Penn State. Being the last, you know, the voice inside some of these guys' head is is an important one. That's an interesting point that you brought up about the Juneteenth holiday and Father's Day. Um, because I know I had it off, and I think more people had it off than people realize, um, because it is now a federal holiday. Um, so that wouldn't shock me at all. Um, yeah, and I think it's just good that a lot of them were there on that day, because they could hang out together and really get a feel like, oh, wow, these could be my teammates for the next four years. And I think building that camaraderie, and it's it's hard because you have guys from all over the country, and the only time they've ever talked has been over text message or over phone call or, you know, Skype or whatever. But having that in-person contact still does matter, especially when you're going to be um, spending God almost every day of the year with the <laughs> not maybe not almost every day of the year, but about 300 to 365 days at least with all these guys. So you have to have, have to be able to see if you have that chemistry with people. Um, so I think that's probably why they focus so heavily on that. And also, like you said, the, the, the holiday. And you know more people will be able to, you know, kind of take their time around town too. Uh, I think these official visits usually end around like Sunday morning. But, you know, you could go and see things for yourself with your family. So um, I think that I think that could definitely play a role. And we did I and we did have visitors all during the month. But it seems to be that June 17th day has been really, really concentrated on. And it seemed to have been have paid off big time for us. Right. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, There's just no other way to say it. And there's a fear of missing out, too. Right. I mean, these guys want to be around each other. They all kind of want to. You know, see if they're, it's a right fit together. And do, do we like each other? And you said already this class is really close, tight-knit. Um, and I think that does make a difference. But you don't want to miss out, too, right? I mean, you don't want to – if Penn State was a place to be, you don't want to not be there for it. So, um, yeah, good job by the staff there. Let's talk Tony Rojas. Um, Danny Rojas-ish. I, I love that. I think I've seen that on 24-7 boards. I love the Danny Rojas thing. If you haven't watched um, – that show you're missing out. I can't even think of the show right now. Um, but anywho, Tony Rojas, four-star linebacker. Worried a little bit there about Georgia. I was, I'm going to be honest, Sean, a week ago, I was really worried about Georgia. Uh, he was taking that, he took that unofficial visit and then he was going to take another visit and you're just like, Oh Lord. Um, it seemed, and this is another guy you could maybe argue Maybe the name, image, and likeness things, whatever whatever happened, maybe 
that that was enough for Rojas to be like, yeah, I'm on board. Who knows? But regardless, Tony Rojas, I there's a crystal ball in public knowledge um, for Penn State, and it seems like it seems like the commitment date got moved up to I believe it's July 5th now. It just seems like Tony Rojas is on board for Penn State now. Finally, 100%. Yeah, it's trending that way. And we were worried about Rojas last week that, you know, is it going to happen? Is Georgia going to come in and do what national championship teams do and just take a recruit out of nowhere? But, yeah, it seems like Penn State's definitely the heavy favorite right now. And that's, a cred- again, a credit to the staff. This has been a guy they've won for a long, long time. He's from their recruiting he's from their recruiting footprint. And it seems like they're going to be able to uh, reel him in. So that's a big one. Uh, very impressive offer sheet, being able to beat out Georgia and Clemson. Uh, a lot of credit. A lot of credit to Penn State. Um, if they're able to, you know, of course, finish the deal and have him commit. Right. Yep. And I think, I mean, how many defensive guys did we just talk about? I mean, Rojas, Robinson, Mack, uh, Nelson and Parker. I mean, those are five guys, all four star blue chip guys that. I mean, uh, in some degree, if you're going to beat out Georgia, if you're going to beat out Clemson, if you're going to beat out Auburn, Alabama, Michigan State, I mean, Penn State's winning some huge battles here and. You know, a lot of credit to those guys and what they're able to do. There's one more guy that got a or a crystal ball in on the offensive side of things. Another one that kind of surprised me, Sean. Uh, Trayon Webb from Jacksonville, Florida. Four-star guy. 24-7 sports has him as the fifth best running back in the country. Um, it looks like Florida's still... Around, I think it's down to Florida and Penn State. Maybe South Carolina's in there, but um, maybe Oklahoma is in there too. Uh, DeMarco Murray's the running backs coach over there, so uh, you know, wouldn't blame him for going there either. But it seems like Penn State, a, another guy who I didn't think maybe Penn State had a chance for, a couple crystal balls in going for Penn State right now. Yeah, um, that was not a guy I expected. Um, I was out on the golf course. And you texted me saying crystal balls are in for Trayon Webb, and I couldn't believe it. Um, Steve Wolfong, who's the director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports, he put his crystal ball in for Penn State. That's always one that'll make you uh, turn your head a little bit, like, why? And it looks like it's trending in Penn State's direction. That's, again, these official visits are key. Um, I think back to... The twenty, the twenty twenty one recruiting class, and there are a lot of guys that Penn State fans felt really good about, but they didn't get them to commit. And I gotta think it was because of COVID, and because we couldn't get these guys on campus. And being and Trayhan Webb, I think, is Exhibit A as to a guy that if you don't have him in for his official visit, you're probably not landing him. Um. And we haven't landed him yet. This is still a tight race, I believe, between Penn State and Florida. But I think you have to like where Penn State is right now. Um, I think this is going to be a tight one to the end with Florida, even if he does commit sometime soon, just because he is from there. And 
Um, he's from Jacksonville. Uh, this is probably going to be a tight race, but right now it looks like Penn State's in the lead. Yeah, the rival says um, it's behind a paywall, but I don't subscribe to rivals. But they had an article two days ago saying that uh, Webb has narrowed it down to three schools. I believe that means Oklahoma's out of it because he has had an official visit this weekend at South Carolina. So uh, Webb did not come during that 17th weekend. He came on the 10th weekend. Um, so he he wasn't a part of all those other guys. Um, but it seems like it's down to Florida, South Carolina, and Penn State. Again, he's at South Carolina this weekend. So it's maybe premature on the crystal balls, in my opinion. Um, but... I mean, these guys know something, but who knows what's happening at South Carolina. South Carolina's doing a pretty good job recruiting and did a pretty good job in the transfer portal. Um, so who knows what will happen there. Uh, we do already have, what, uh, London Montgomery. Um, so there is already a running back in the class. Who, know, who knows how much that, that puts into things. But I what don't the, think Montgomery committed yet. Oh, he just was it just a crystal ball for him? I believe so. Okay. I believe so. I still think he'll join, but yeah. I don't think he's committed yet. Okay. I'm glad you clarified that because we don't want to be telling people things that aren't necessarily true. But, yeah, I mean, I think most likely we're going to end up seeing seeing Montgomery potentially on board as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, a guy – and it, you just got to give credit to Cider and what he's been able to do. We talked about everyone else but Jawan Cider on this show today. Um but yeah, I mean, these guys are, are recruiting exceptionally well. I think post-COVID has been huge for them as far as getting those guys on, like you said. I mean, we're killing it in Florida. We're killing it in Alabama. I mean, when this is all said and done, John, you could be talking about a class that ends up with more guys from Virginia, Alabama, and Florida than Pennsylvania. I mean, they're just, they're all over the place. Yeah, and that's what you want. Um, you want a big footprint because the elite schools all have that. Ohio State recruits nationally. Notre Dame recruits nationally. Uh, Alabama recruits nationally. So you want to be one of those teams that you feel pretty confident going into the South. And, I mean, I would like someday to be able to go out West a little bit and really – and you're, it, you feel confident that you could go and pull this guy out. And – and they've done it over and over again. Um, and this this class in particular, they seem to be really committed to the national uh, landscape. And you have to remember, they have coaches that have roots in the South. John Scott Jr. coached at South Carolina. Manny Diaz coached at Miami. Jay Wan Sider was the running backs coach at uh, Florida. So you have coaches that have these big, um, that are from, all over the country, and that's going to help you all over the country. Uh, I think Stacy Collins being from Idaho, uh, coaching at Boise State, coaching the Pacific Northwest all those years, that's going to help you out west. Um, so, and if you want to be a playoff contender, I think you need a national, um, you need a national recruiting strategy these days, especially have being a school. That's located uh, in the northeast part of the country. Right, right. Well, let's, Sean, let's run through a couple briefly real quick. Uh, no crystal balls in for these guys. 
I just want your thoughts. You talked a lot about Jason Moore. Um, we we kind of said it's pretty much down to Notre Dame and Penn State there um, from DeMatha. So obviously Penn State knows that area very well. The defensive lineman, four-star guy, um, number one player in the state of Maryland, top 50 guy pretty much. What what are your thoughts on him? It, it looked for a while that, that maybe Notre Dame had it all said and done, but maybe Penn State's still hanging around. Yeah, I think Penn State has a shot at Jason Moore. Uh, seems to be some good mojo going there. I believe he did visit Ohio State this weekend, so that would be one to keep an eye on. But all indications seem to think that Notre Dame is still the team to beat. But Penn State's really making up ground. And DeMatha, is, DeMatha Catholic is a school that Penn State has done really well recruiting in the past few years. Um, so anytime you have a DeMatha kid, Penn State always has a chance. So I think Penn State would have. I, I, do, I do like Penn State's chances there. Gun to my head today, I'd probably still say he ends up at Notre Dame, but Penn State has definitely made up ground. And he, um, since um, his official visit in early June, and this is a guy who could really, really help you um, in and build and be a really big addition to that defensive line group that they've already brought in. Right, and I should say we're talking. This is one of those guys that did not come to the seventeenth. He came on June third to Penn State. Um, Went to Notre Dame on the 10th, went to Michigan on the 17th, and then Ohio State the 24th. So he seems like he's still trying to figure out what he wants to do, which, you know, by all means, um, there is a public, you know, open for the public uh, crystal ball. And it's not by a lead expert, though, um, but there are two crystal balls in for Notre Dame for what that's worth. Um, so I, I would still, yeah, I still still lean in Notre Dame. If if I'm thinking if I had to choose right now, I think he probably ends up at Notre Dame. Um but let's move on because there's a couple other guys I want to talk about. Cam Selton uh, from Virginia, technically listed as an athlete. I I think he could probably play a little bit of linebacker as well, a little Sam as well, Sean, if I'm correct on that. And and what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Selden could play all over. Uh, um, he's also a guy that I could see ending up at uh, receiver. Um, but he's a really athletic kid. Uh, 24-7 Sports has him as the number 24 overall player in the country. Um, he played he played in high school at quarterback, at receiver, at cornerback, safety, and he, he returned kicks. Um, and again, I think you could just put him anywhere on the field. And he's just one of those guys that are really, really good at football. And he's going to be explosive for you. He's a dynamic player. And I think he's a guy that Penn State really has to, I think that, again, they have to bring him in. He's from the DMV, he's from Northern Virginia. Um, and I, I like where Penn State sits with him. Uh, I think he just announced his top three as being Tennessee, Penn State, Maryland. I would say Tennessee's probably Penn State's biggest competition right now for him. Um, and it is certainly not over. But I really like where Penn State sits with uh, with Mr. Selden right now. And also, I'm not sure if I don't think he has a date yet where he's going to announce. But if um, 
if I were to say right now, I would say Penn State's the favorite to get him, and he was just on campus this past weekend. Right, and I should say there there was a crystal ball put in for him uh, back in February. So uh, for for Penn State, so there was a crystal. I don't know if we talked about that in February. Maybe we did, um, but regardless, um, yeah, it's looking it's looking pretty good for for Penn State on Cam Seldon, and like you said, I mean. Maybe he's one of those guys that there's already kind of leaning our way and he just had a visit. Maybe he's the guy we come back next week and Cam Seldon has committed to Penn State, especially if he wants to play safety at the next level. Um, I mean, how many guys are we going to take at that kind of spot? Because we, we've just been talking about safeties. Should name this episode, you know, safety. Because, I mean, it's been safeties. Linebacker-ish like guys has, has kind of dominated the conversation. So credit Anthony Poindexter one more time. So um, I'm curious to see what happens there. If if they are able to get um, even just a couple of these guys that we're not 100% sure of yet, I think that'd be be phenomenal. Um, Evan Link is another guy I wanted to talk about, offensive tackle. Um, just inside the 300 on 24-7 sports, top 300 uh, from D.C., I think Michigan's involved pretty heavily in recruiting him. Any thoughts on him, Sean? Yeah, Michigan, Stanford, Penn State. Um, from what I understand, Penn State probably has a slight edge over those schools right now, uh, but it's far from over. Uh, right now, he has no crystal ball predictions, uh, so it seems to be you know a bit of a toss-up. Uh, Michigan is known for their off for producing offensive linemen, as is Stanford. Um, you don't have a Stanford offer if you're not a good student, so I'm sure that could play a role in uh, Evan Link's recruit um, in recruiting Evan Link. Um, yeah, I think it's a little up in the air right now, uh, but he he's a really good football player. Uh, as you said, he's a top 300 guy according to the composite on uh, Lions two force on uh, 24/7 Sports. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, uh, far from over. Uh, at least that's what it looks like right now. Uh, but like you said, with the way recruiting has been, eh, it could be over next week. <laughs> um, and we all know how hot Penn State could get in July. Right, right. Well, um, we talked about Will Norman a little bit ago. I'm, I'm still thinking he ends up uh, not at Penn State, probably Florida there, correct? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I would say uh, Florida is probably the team to beat there. But you, but he's a guy that again, Penn State is very heavily involved in. Um, looks like there there hasn't been a crystal ball in a while. Actually, in May there was a crystal ball to Florida, but um, he's from he's from Florida, so Florida is always going to be heavily involved there. I don't think he has an official visit scheduled with Penn State, so that's always a concern. Uh, so I think Florida would probably be the team to beat there. Okay, and last guy before we break down Central Michigan that I wanted to talk about was TJ Metcalf, another guy from Alabama. I saw all the things that you know he's a he's a, an Arkansas lean, no doubt about it. But he took the visit to Arkansas on June 12th and did not commit then. Uh, then he went to Michigan State and then he came to Penn State this weekend. So. They got him on campus. He, if you're curious, you've heard the Metcalf name. It is the cousin of what is it, DJ Metcalf? 
Uh, DK. DK. Yeah, thank you. So DK, TJ, I mean, it's a little confusing there, but um, DK Metcalf coming out of college, uh, he went to Ole Miss, was probably one of the impressive specimens coming into the draft at the Combine. I mean, this dude, I want to say he's seriously, and, and maybe this was like technically wrong because I it's got to be almost unhealthy, but his percent body fat, I think they said it was like incredibly low. Like he was just straight up muscle. Um, I don't know if that's in the jeans and the Metcalf jeans, but a guy like that, you know, you can get him in a weight program. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see. So um, he could play safety. He could play wide receiver. Um, and like I said, Arkansas is uh, is pretty much the lean there, but I thought I'd at least bring him up because Penn State did have him on campus this this weekend. Well, nobody recruits the state of Alabama quite like Penn State, am I right? Sweet um, home Alabama. Maybe it's because I'm down here. Song. I know that song, Corey. Oh, that's good. Well, that's a good transition <laughs> to the Chippewas. Um, yeah. Guys, again, you know, a lot of credit to 24-7 Sports. A lot of our information comes from there. Uh, we are just providing in an audio form. Um, we're providing you the free stuff. Um, there is an overwhelming amount of VIP things that you can read. Um, it's worth the membership. We don't talk about some of those. I don't think we talk about any of those things. Honestly, sometimes it's too much for me to read into. Um, but both of us have already said before, we recommend you guys getting a 24-7 subscription. Um, that that We don't have to go down that rabbit hole again. But I think it's worth saying, since since it's pretty much a recruiting episode this week, um, Credit where credit is due. Anywho, the Chippewas, the old Edmund Fitzgerald. Did you listen to the song? I did, and I've heard the song before, and I feel like an idiot for not knowing, not knowing the, the name of it. But I was yeah. like, oh, it's this song. Okay. And I yeah. like how he mentions the Chippewa, I think, in the second line of it. Yeah. The, the old, the, the lake they called Ushaguli, something like that. Lake something Superior. Something like that. Yeah. I, yeah, I just listened to it actually right before I got on. So because I wanted to have it fresh in my head. Well, good thing Penn State's not traveling on a boat during a storm on Lake Superior. Um, well, I don't think they will end up, but it will be in the fall, and you know potential for some storms there. I just think it's crazy. Like we've never been to the Great Lakes. I don't think people realize how massive especially lake superior is um i mean it's 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 really is incredible and the fact that they could have their own storms like that is is phenomenal so um listen to the song um and let's talk central michigan the chippewas one of the better teams in the mac um i'm not going to sit here and say this is going to be a potential for an upset um, but Jim McElwain's got things going there. If you, you, Jim McElwain sounds familiar to you. He was at Michigan, and he was doing pretty good at Michigan, all things considered. I mean, our Michigan, geez, Florida. Um, he was doing a lots yeah. of good things at Florida, not Michigan. I don't know why Michigan was in my head. Uh, maybe because of the Great Lakes, I guess. But um, Florida, he was at Florida. He, he did. He went to some cha- uh, conference championships there. Um, was Probably the last time Florida's been consistently, con- you know, consistently good. I mean, obviously Dan Mullen is Dan Mullen, um, and and he failed there. And I don't know. I still don't know where Dan Mullen ended up. To be honest with you, 
Um, but now they got Billy Napier there and um, and Anthony Richardson's their quarterback, if you guys were just curious. But anyway, back to Central Michigan. Uh, Jim McElwain's done a really good job. They went 9-4 and four last year, 6-2 uh, and two in the MAC. The most impressive thing, Sean, that I want to mention right off the bat, last season, Central Michigan was 6-0 and oh when they ran it for 200 yards or more last year. So 200 yards or more, they were 6-0, and oh, which, I mean, 200 yards is a lot of rushing yards. But it just kind of makes you realize going into this game, if Penn State's unable, loses, you know, a couple linebackers in depth, loses, you know, God forbid, P.J. Mustafa or something like that, then all of a sudden, you know, a team like Central Michigan gets pretty scary uh, because they're going to try to run the rock early and often. Yeah, they have a running back who ran for over 1,800 yards last year, Lou Nichols. Uh, they won their bowl game against Washington State, and they won nine games last year. So they're no joke in the MAC. They're a good MAC team. Uh, Jim McElwain did have some success with Florida. Uh, had a rough cu- last couple of years, so he ended up getting fired. But he seems to be uh, turning things around a little bit there. Uh, I, I, you know, in these research in these researches that and this researching that we do uh, on each of these teams, I do look back at the last few years, and that they they had a rough patch. And McIlwain seems to be turning it around a little bit up there. Uh, they lost, you know, they, they um, again, they beat Washington State in their bowl game. They won nine games. Um, and I think they're, they're going to be a good test for Penn State. Um, do I think this is going to be a team that beats Penn State? I don't. Um, but. Again, when you're playing against teams in the MAC, when you're playing against teams, the group of five teams, you want to see what they do well, and you want to see how your guys respond to that. So I think it'll be a good test for our defensive line. Uh, it's important to note their offensive line from last year lost two guys to the NFL. Um, so we're going to be able to see how that impacts their run game. Um, it, I'm guessing it will impact it. Um not really known for their playmakers on the outside. Um, and on defense, they lost a lot of guys in the portal. So I'm expecting this to be a decent test for Penn State. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I, think, I do want to mention they also have uh, Kobe Lewis running back who was, who missed last year. Um, see what he can do. Like, like you mentioned, a decent tight end out there as well. Joel Wilson um, had 31 catches last year. They lose two receivers, uh, Khalil Pimpleton and Ja'Cory Sullivan. I think they're both UDFAs. I think I want to say Pimpleton went to the Bears, but um, and I think Sullivan maybe went to the Giants. Maybe um, they do bring in a transfer wide receiver in Carlos Carreri, 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 uh, a Maryland transfer, six foot five, one hundred ninety five pounds, had five touchdowns for the Terps last year. So I think that's a pretty big get for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they hadn't done that much extra in the transfer portal that I think other people wanted them to. Um, but, yeah, I mean, their quarterback, Daniel Richardson, I mean, he's serviceable. He's he's not going to do anything crazy. He's not going to run around and make plays for you, but he's serviceable, and he has experience, and they're going to try to run the ball, and they're going to try to be successful with it. And if Penn State can you know, hold up well against the run, I think they'll be okay. You mentioned the losses on defense. I'm going to read them out because this is honestly insane. And I think this is kind of sad that, you know, this is what's going to happen now. And unfortunately for a school like Central Michigan, 
Um, Devonnie Reed transferred to South Carolina was a safety. Linebacker uh, Troy Brown transferred to Ole Miss. Linebacker George Douglas transferred to SMU. Defensive lineman Amir Sedek uh, transferred to Charlotte. And then they had Her- uh, Troy Hairston and uh, Gage Kresge, two more defensive players, both in the NFL now. Um, actually, I think Kresge is the guy that went to the Giants, for what it's worth. But those guys right there, just those guys alone, combined for 345 tackles, which was 40% of the production, four interceptions, and 16 sacks. So they're losing all of that from the defense. So they're going to be young on defense, especially uh, in the front seven. Uh, they have two linebackers that played a decent amount last year, but they're still not going to have that same amount of depth. Uh, cornerback-wise, they got two guys that I think are actually pretty pretty solid, Dante Kent and Rolian Sturkey. Both of those guys are pretty decent. I mean, they're not going to, you know, Penn State's not going to be scared of them by any means, but I think there's some some decent guys in the secondary but not very much depth in that front seven. That that's that's probably the biggest concern. Um, if I was a Central Michigan fan, I have now. Who knows where Penn State sits at this point in the season, right? I mean, if, if they lose to Purdue and they lose to Auburn, and they're one and two heading into this game after getting embarrassed by Auburn, you know, all of a sudden this comes a little bit more of a trickier game. We we know how Penn State typically fares after a loss, um, but. At the end of the day, the 24-7 composite average for the last four years for CMU was 97. So the, there's a big depth there, uh, a big gap in depth there. I think Penn State gets the job done. Um, but I agree. I think this will be enough of a challenge um, before you really get into Big Ten play. I think this is a good opponent for Penn State. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, we, and we talk about transfer portal nil a lot on here and i do and we talked about you know who are the winners and losers going to be and i think a team like central michigan is going to be a loser because if you're central michigan you just won nine games last year you had a really good year um and then you lose a bunch of guys to the portal uh not to mention the good you know the good seniors that you lose to the nfl which is just um natural part of college football but losing those guys to the portal that's just so hard to replace especially for a team like central michigan that doesn't recruit uh, anywhere that they just don't recruit the same type of players penn state does or these are or most big 10 teams or power five teams so it really really hurts when they lose guys to the portal um and you know, with that being said, I think Jim McElwain is a good enough coach that he's going to be able to develop guys behind them. Maybe not good enough to be Penn State, but probably to have a respectable year next year and maybe give Penn State a bit of a challenge. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And um, I look at their schedule. I mean, it's a pretty favorable schedule. They have, I think, two of the road games are Akron and Eastern Michigan. So maybe Joe Mo knocks them off, but they're they're probably supposed to win those games. Um, I think they get Buffalo at home, and then I want to say they get Northern Illinois at home too. But I don't have the schedule out in front of me anymore. But no, but I, I agree with that. Um, we don't need to beat you know the Chippewas to death anymore. Then that most of you guys don't care much more than a 15 minute analysis of the Chippewas anyway. I will say thank you guys for watching the video on the preview of Auburn on 
YouTube that's doing really well. There will be one out for CMU shortly. So if you're not already subscribed, following us on YouTube, make sure you go ahead and, and get over there and do that. We'll have about five minute ish breakdowns of all of Penn State's opponents for 2022 um, in the next month or two. So and we'll, and we'll keep breaking them down week by week here on the podcast as well. So um, I one last point of the Chippewas I think I wanted to mention defense only had five interceptions last year. Just to give you some kind of context, Jair Brown had six interceptions for Penn State last year. So they've got to do better in the interception department, even though they got sacks and a lot of pressure, actually. They were unable to get that many interceptions. So um, I said the secondary was was good, but that's one area they obviously need to do better in uh, moving forward. Um, that's all I got, Sean. Yeah, I think that's all I got, too. Um, if you want a chance against Penn State, you better be able to turn this over. So the what were interceptions for sure against us. But, yeah, I think we talked adequately enough about uh, Central Michigan. And next week, we'll be getting – and after next week, it'll be all Big Ten teams from there. Right. Yep, back to the Big Ten, baby. Um, what, is, probably – is it Northwestern? So we got Northwestern next? Yep, that's right. So um, I would go as far as saying this, and maybe it's it's a risky to say this because Northwestern on an even year is something you don't want to bet against. I would go as far as saying Central Michigan puts up more of a fight than Northwestern. That's my bold take of the day. Oof, that is a bold take. I will hold my judgment till next week when we preview them. Okay, that's that's fine. That's fair. Um, I do want to say that I just saw this on Twitter. I thought I'd share this. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Three-star offensive lineman from, uh, from Florida visited this past weekend. There's a paywall article on him about how he – Really impressed. Had a really good time at at visiting Penn State this week. Jake Guarnera. Um, and apparently he's rising up people's boards fast. So a potential maybe four-star guy when it's all said and done. Um, he tweeted, loved my visit at Penn State. Had a great time with Coach uh, Dwayne Scott, who is a GA. And looks like he hung out with Phil Trotwine a bunch and also hung out with uh, Alex Berkmeyer, who was there, who I, does he just go to every single bit? Like, is he there every week? Yeah. Berkmeyer has been as good of a recruiter as anybody. Um, and you love to, you love to see that, especially from your big blue chip guy. Uh, he's number one rated player in this class. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, he probably will remain the number one rated guy in the class. And he really set the tone for, for this class and especially on the offensive line. Uh, part of the ball. I know we lost Joshua Miller, but again, as we've stated, we're in a really good possession with Evan Link. I think a guy that we probably don't talk enough about is Javon Williams. Um, that's a guy that Penn State signed, or not signed, uh, had committed to them early on. Um, and having a guy like Berkmeyer there really helps solidify things, uh, both on the football field and off the football field. Sean, <clears throat> I know we talked a lot about recruiting today, and that's fine. I mean, that's that's what we talked about in June. Um, one final thought before we get out of here. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit more invested in this class, since obviously this is our first class with the podcast. Um, well, you know what I'm saying. Fully, like, full-time. Full um, 
I really think that when it's all said and done, I don't care if this class ends up being as highly ranked, but the players they have at the different positions they have and some of the versatility, I think this class is going to end up being more productive than the 2021 class. I know there's some really, like, obviously, Deny Dennis Sutton's going to do some incredible things and, 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 and whatnot, but I just think, I got a feeling that there's some guys on here Oh, wait, no, I shouldn't say 2021. 2022, I should say. Um, more more effective than the 2022 class. And I know Drew Aller and Nick Singleton um, and their potential. But I just think from from top to bottom, I look at this class, the 2023 class, and I'm just like, every single or almost every single one of these guys, I'm expecting to do great things. I mean, uh you see Haynes at the very bottom of this class for some reason. Hasn't got his fourth star yet on 24-7 sports. He's like the second lowest rated guy that Penn State has right now. And I think he's going to be a star. So maybe I'm just optimistic. But I really like this 2023 class so far. Yeah, it's a good class. And that's something we're not going to know for another few years. Um, I remember the 2018 class, the one that Micah came in. Uh Justin Shorter was seen as the other guy in that class and Ricky Slade. And well, we all know what happened with both of those guys. Um, so you really don't know until a few years later. And it kind of sounds like a, like a boring answer, but you don't. And I'm excited about all these guys as well. Um, I, I do agree with you. I think there's, there might be at least out of high school, maybe a little bit more depth with this class than that class than the 2022 class, because we signed those three, those three guys right at the top, Singleton, uh, Dennis Sutton and Aller. But maybe there's more, there, there's more depth to the 2022 class than the 2020 or, or to the 2023 class than the 2022 class. Yeah. No, I think that's what I was trying to say. So I think you summed that up perfectly. So, yeah, and and, and the potential, I think, right now, I mean, the way we're talking, Sean, compared to how we were talking two weeks ago is just insane, right? I mean, we com- saying a completely different tune now. So give a lot of credit to the, the Penn State staff. They've done a phenomenal job. Give a lot of credit to the Alex Berkmeyers of the world, the the Stokes of the world, who have done a good job recruiting inside. Um I would say, Sean, let's sum this up with this. All the guys we talked about, I'm going to put the over-under at, let's just say, five and a half for commits in July. What are you thinking? In July. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fair over-under. I would say Rojas, Robinson. Um, Mac. I would say those three guys, so I'd probably go under, but I could be totally wrong about that. <laughs> I would probably put the over-under at maybe four and a half. Um, but I would probably go under on the five and a half personally. Okay, I got this is my guess. Robinson, Rojas, Mac. I think those are for sure. Um I'm gonna say Cam Seldon. I'm gonna say hmm. Oh, I'd probably say London Montgomery too. 
Yes, Montgomery, I think, too. And then I think the one that gets you over that will be Trayon Webb. You know what? I The way it's going right now, I'm going to say over. I say they get six in July. And 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 that maybe that I mean that's insane. But they get six, they'll be at twenty-one for the class before August, which would be nuts. But the way things are trending right now, Sean, I just and by the way, we're gonna start the count from right now. So if someone commits to today in the yes. afternoon, we're counting that, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I guess from the from now until the end of the July, I'm gonna say more over for five and a half. Maybe I'm crazy. But I just got a feeling that things are about to go crazy right now. I just I think the snowball is in effect already, and it, it it's going to keep snowballing, especially since these guys that are on the fence want to be a part of this class are going to have to choose because there's not that many spots left anymore. And that's just another bonus to to having a good class early in July. Like a lot of these places, you know, you you try to get the top dogs, but when the top dogs wait a long time to commit, it kind of hurts your entire class because you're, you're trying to leave spots open. You're trying to leave room. Um, Penn state goes and gets them and, and tells them, Hey, we want you to not visit anywhere else once you have committed. And I think it's been effective and they've done a good job. So I'm going to say, yeah, over, over five and a half. It's my guess. Yeah. And you could very well be right. A lot of these guys just haven't announced commitment dates yet. But as we know, a lot of official visits are done after June anymore. Um, and then they decided July. So could you be right? Of course. Um, but, and I admit I might be going a little bit on the conservative side by saying four. Um, but it could definitely be over five and a half. Uh, like you said, a guy like Tryon Webb. A guy like Camp Selden. And you never know what these guys. A lot of them will say the morning that they're committing, um, I'm committing at noon today. Or they might just put out a picture out of nowhere and say, well, I just committed to Penn State or X school or Y school. So you really you really don't know. And July seems to be the month for Penn State the past couple of years. So I'm... Pretty optimistic it's going to continue July and maybe in August. And we'll have most of this class done by uh, September 1st when we take on the Boilermakers. Yeah, that's that's the way you want it. So, um, Sean, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? I don't think so, Corey. I think we covered this pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I think that as far as patting ourselves on the back goes, I think this probably was one of our most thorough recruiting shows. So we're going to give ourselves a little bit of credit for that. Um, I wanted to check Twitter one more time and just make sure that we, there wasn't anything crazy happen, but it looks like we're still in a clear for right now. So I'm sure somebody will commit in about 10 minutes. Um, thank you so much, everybody for watching. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to wherever you're listening, share it with one friend, get on YouTube, watch those videos um, and share those as well. Uh, we appreciate y'all. Uh, the the podcast has done really well, um, kind of uh, better than I even thought, especially in the dog days of summer. So you guys have been awesome and listening again. Oh, oh, damn it. I was going to do it at the beginning of the show, and I totally forgot um, to read the five-star review. 
So we are going to do it next time because I don't want to do it at the very, very end of the show. Well, maybe I could do it at the end of the show. And that's like a, a bonus for hanging around. Yeah, let's read it out real quick. Um, because cause why not? So we had a five-star review come in from oh the guys over at uh, for, uh, for the bloggy. So appreciate them dropping over a little love. Uh, they're, they're phenomenal as well. So make sure you guys check them out. Um, this is what they said. Five stars. One of the best Penn State pods out there. Been listening to this podcast since it was a wide ranging college football show, but the pod has gone to an, un- another level since it narrowed its focus solely on Penn State football a few months ago. Hosts and co-hosts have a deep pool of Penn State knowledge and insight and their chemistry grows each passing episode. Love the fact that they've maintained a regular schedule. Even in the off season, too many Penn State pods fall off the map when the season ends. This one doesn't, end quote. So thank you that. I mean, that was really nice of him to say that. And um, a little credit to you, Sean. I mean, I think you're kept me on schedule and you've provided or have brought with you a pool of Penn State knowledge. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. You've done a, you've done a great job, too, and you've been doing a good job even before I came on. And I really appreciate what for the blog he said, as said um, I actually watched a lot of their work, too. Uh, during the season last year. So very, very nice of them to say that, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. If you're not following them or following them on Twitter and subscribe to their YouTube channel, um, just more Penn State content, the better. So definitely get over there and check them out. Leave us a five-star review on Apple, and we will read it on the show. So with that being said, I, I you could also leave questions that way if you wanted to. I don't necessarily like doing that. I know... 24-7 sports, I think, does it that way. Um, but anyway, that's all we got. We're rambling. I'm rambling. Sean, thank you so much as always, dude. Killed it. Thank you, Corey. It was fun. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you all next time. Bye.